Aren't you thankful for the name of Jesus? As you would read in Acts, there is no other name given in heaven by which men must be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. And so, man, thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us to the throne of God and to just allowing us to worship Jesus together. All right, God is good. And all the time. Turn with me to Haggai, all right? I just want to see the look on your faces. Some of you are like, is that actually a book, all right? I'm telling you right now, we're not going to get there just yet, but I'm giving you time to find the book of Haggai, all right? So it's right before we get to the New Testament, just a few books uh, from the end of the Old Testament. So make your way there, and I will get there in a moment, I promise. So, hey, as Pastor Dave already mentioned, thank you for being here. You made a great choice today by giving God your first part of the week, the first day of the week. And so, man, thank you for being here with us this morning. As, as Pastor Dave mentioned, if you're a guest with us, I hope you take time to fill out the Connect card. We just want to connect you with what God is doing here at Hallmark. And I would love to meet you. So at the close of our service, I'll be right out in the lobby. You could hand me that card, and I just want to have an opportunity for you to meet me and my wife. So we are in the second week of this series called First Fruits. And, and Dave introduced that a little bit already. We're talking about giving God our best last week, and this week we're going to talk about giving God our first. And again, we are just following the example of the Lord as he gave us his best, and he gave to us first. And so I want to read two verses of Scripture. We read these last week, but I think they help us get a perspective as we talk about giving God our first and giving God our best. Because the reality is we don't give anything to God that he hasn't already given to us. And, and so here's the two verses. Psalms 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord in all its fullness, the world and all those who dwell therein. And so if there's any doubt, let's understand this morning that everything I have, everything that I supposedly own, is actually a gift from God. God's the owner. You know, what I think I might own is really just on loan, and God is the owner, and God has asked me to manage that, to be a wise steward of that. Another verse, one of my favorite verses of Scripture is 1 Chronicles 29. And 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11 and 12 says this, and this is King David writing. He says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty, everything. Okay, you might underline that if you, if you got that right. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. Everything. Can we say, would you say that with me together on the count of three? One, two, three. Okay, so you are not the owner. You are the manager. Everything on the heavens and earth is yours. Oh, Lord, this is your kingdom. This is King David saying, this is not my throne. It's not what I own. God, you are the owner of all things. This is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Now look at verse number 12. And this is one of my favorite verses. Wealth and honor come from you alone. So let's identify here what this is saying. That everything that you have is not because you're so gifted and not so great and just because you're such a hard worker. All those things may be true, but the reality is everything that I have is because it came from God. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And listen to that. At your discretion, people are given, are made great and given strength. So the position I have is not because of how good I am. The position I have is because how good God is. Okay, and so everything, this, this is the lens that I want as we walk through this uh, today and next week again. The lens here, when we give God our best and our first, it's only because I only have what God has given to me. So I'm giving back to him. 
Every parent understands this. Okay, you've bought your kid those salty, hot, warm french fries from McDonald's, and you just want a few of them, right? Okay, that's the understanding here. You bought them, you own them, but your kid doesn't see it that way, does he, okay? Let's keep going. I could talk about that forever, but we won't. So, man, I am thankful for our kids' ministry at Hallmark, our family ministry. We have some great leaders in our nursery, our, our elementary age, our youth and young adults. And so I heard two stories this week that I feel like you guys have to hear, all right, from, our, from two of our Hallmark kids. Okay, so I'm going to ask Christian. Christian, will you come up here? And Preston, will you come and make your way up here? You guys can just stand right here. i got a mic ready for it. i got number six. Uh, and they, they have a turn around face to everybody, Christian. Can you wave at everybody? All right, everybody say hi, Christian. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Christian is six years old, and God's been working his life, and uh, he came up and told me last week what, what God allowed him to do, what God really challenged him to do. What's really cool about Christian's story is if you were here two weeks ago, you got to watch him tell his story on the big screens because he gave his life to Jesus, and he got baptized two weeks ago. But here, yeah, give him a hand. Pound it. Pound it. There we go. And uh, so here's really cool about Christian's story is since Christian has been coming to our church, it's been a few years now, he's watched his dad give his life to Christ and be baptized. He's watched his mom give her life to Christ and be baptized. He watched his older brother, Zach, and his older brother, Bobby, give his life and, give, and, and follow in believer's baptism. And you got to do that two weeks ago, right? That's cool. Are you nervous at all? No? All right. This story is not about a salvation story. It's about something completely different. Okay? Uh, he's going to read it for us. It's also going to be on the screen in case maybe you don't quite understand him. And I'm going to hold the mic for you. You good, man? You ready to go? All right, here we go. One day we were getting ready to eat dinner. I didn't like the food. I told my mom I am not eating. My mom told me we are blessed to have food on our table. Many kids don't have food right now. Waiting for people to provide them food. I, then I remember that Pastor John hiking to raise money for manna. So I started thinking about to make a lemonade stand to raise money. I told my mom and my brothers to help me with the signs. I got so excited when people stopped help and gave the lemonade. When we ran out of lemonade, we made about $38. Next time, I want to raise 100 Awesome. Give me a high five, man. That was good. You can go back to your seat, buddy. Man, isn't that awesome? So uh, uh, last week, he showed me the envelope. He had $38 in this envelope. It was pretty cool. Uh, that he was raising money for our, you know, feed the need, manis hike for hunger. And uh, so, hey, I want to say thank you to you all of as a church and, and to Christian here. Uh, we have raised a lot of money. The entire goal, we were hoping to raise $100,000. We're right at $96,000 that we've raised. And so I, I just want to say thank you to, your, to you for your generosity. And thank you, Christian. Let's give Christian another hand. Appreciate him. All right, and uh, this is Preston. 
and Preston is uh, nine years old, a fourth grader. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background on him so that it'll help you because some of the things he said in his letter are going to be pretty funny when you realize who he is, okay? So Preston's mom is Miss Allison, who is the director of our kids' ministry, does a great job with our kids' ministry. And Preston, since now he's in fourth grade, when we're in church here, he comes to big church, not to kids' church, okay? And so I understand his mom's over kids' church, now he's in big church because he's a big kid now, right? All right, very good. All right, so here we go, Preston. Last Sunday when Pastor John was talking about the term, are you giving God your best or your rest, that really caught my attention on my relationship with God. I knew I was not giving God my best. I was giving him my rest. Some of the items that keep me from giving God my best are my phone, my Xbox One, and TV. Those really mess up my relationship with Jesus. They have become idols, and I need to make them not idols, just regular toys. I can do this by spending less time on them, so that is what I have been doing. They are like a disguise for Satan. I love that I get the opportunity to come to Big Church every Sunday to learn about the one true God and let me know I need to fix this. No offense, Mom. I know you taught me in children's worship. And as a believer of God and how he is in my heart, I, I need to show that I am a believer in my actions, not just letting people know by my mouth. After that speech that Pastor John talked about giving God your best or your rest, I realized I need to change that. Awesome. High five, man. Yeah, you can have a seat. How cool, how cool is that that... Um, you know, here, here's the reality. Let's be really honest. Kids are, kids are, they hear the same thing that we hear, but they seemingly make decisions to change a lot quicker than we do, don't we? And I think that's what Scripture talks about. And until we are willing to humble ourselves as a child and give our life to Christ and make changes. So thank you, Christian and Preston, for letting... What's really cool about this story is I did not mention Xbox One at all last Sunday, did I? I didn't mention that. You know what that reveals to me? That even as a fourth grade young man in here, the Holy Spirit revealed that to him. So let's not discount what the Holy Spirit can do in the life of our kids uh, to speak into them. So can we give them another hand? I appreciate them. And I just want to say that this is why. So I know there's always a little bit of pushback, especially if your kid is a fourth grader, like, oh, they don't get to go to kids' church anymore. They got to sit with me in church. And, and let's be honest, sometimes uh, for fourth and fifth graders, let's be honest, sometimes for 45-year-olds, it's hard to sit still in church, isn't it? And so, but that's why we do it, because here's, here's what I want you to understand. Why do we want fourth and fifth graders in service? Because... The greatest discipleship tool in Preston's life right now is, is right now he's sitting by his dad. His dad has his Bible open. He's sitting by his grandma, who can pinch him probably pretty good if, if he gets out of control, and his granddad. And how important it is for your kids to see you in church, open up your Bible. He looks over there every Sunday morning during worship and sees his granddad surrendering by raising his hands in worship. And that's why we have our kids in here. Because they need to see you worshiping. They need to see you open up your Bible and reading. That's the greatest tool of discipleship is for them to see you doing it. All right? And so that's, that's, that's why we do that. And here's the reality. If, if our faith community is going to reflect 
and to reach our community, there's two things that we're really going to have to strive at. First is, is one of those is, is that we're going to have to realize and strive to be a multi-generational church. Okay, because uh, unfortunately a lot of churches, you're, you're not going to find that. What's really cool is almost every Sunday, I look back there on the second to the back row, and I see Miss Elaine. She's sitting with, yeah, she's sitting with her loud son that you just heard. But she's sitting with her son, her granddaughter, and her great-grandkids. Isn't that pretty awesome? Four generations sitting here. But, but here's, what I, here's what I want to say to the older generation. I just want to say thank you. Because the reality is the older generation has made a conscious decision to surrender some of their preferences so that their great-grandchildren will come to church. And that's really about what being a local church is about, is that we surrender sometimes our preferences for the sake of the gospel. And that's what we're going to have to do. If our community, if our faith community is going to reflect and reach our community, we have to be multi-generational, and we're also going to have to be multi-ethnic. Right? Because that's our community. For years, you realize, if, if you're new around Hallmark, you may not know the history, but Hallmark for years has been known all over the world as a church that sends missionaries to all nations. We have, we have given more to missions than just about any church that I'm aware of over the last 70 years of the existence of this church. And our church has always been willing to send people to all nations. But he, you know what's happening in our community right now? That God is sending all nations to our community. And, and it's our responsibility to reach them. When Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, listen, what, what's happening in our community right now is God is sending all of them to us, and it's our responsibility to reach them, which is one of the reasons, and, and I appreciate uh, Pastor Israel and Estella, and, and we've been making some changes in our bilingual service, and that's one of the reasons we have brought them in with us is because we want to be one community with all, everyone's welcome here. All, all nations are welcome here because the reality is we're called to reach all nations and God is bringing all nations to us. We have a great opportunity, don't we? We have a great opportunity to reach the world in our own community. All right, that was your free message this morning, all right? So let's get to the message as we talk about giving God our best and giving God our first. So I ask you to turn to Haggai, and I promise I'm going to get there. Before I do, though, I want to give you some background. Okay, so um, I'm going to give you some background on Ezra. You can turn there if you want real quick. We're not going to be there a long time. But in, in 536, 538 B.C., if you remember, like, the story of Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, and you remember they had gotten taken and ripped out of Jerusalem and out of their homeland because they had been taken captive by the Babylonians. And so they're in, in, in uh, exile for all these years. And in 538, 536, during that range, about 50,000 of the Jews got to leave uh, Babylon and go back to Jerusalem. And you can read about it in Ezra. And in Ezra chapter 1, they go back to Jerusalem and they see, because they had been under siege many years before, the Jer Jerusalem, the walls were in ruin. And you can read about the rebuilding of the walls in Nehemiah. Also, the temple, God's house, the temple where they were supposed to worship, offer the sacrifices. And when we understand the word temple, it comes from the word tabernacle. It was the dwelling place 
of God. And the dwelling place of God laid in ruins. So they go back in 538 BC. They see the ruins. They see the temple. They get a burden. They get a passion. They begin to give. It says they gave sacrificially. They gave generously to rebuild the temple. And and so here's what I want you to think about. Uh, I'm going to read Ezra chapter 4. As they begin to rebuild the wall, here, or the temple, excuse me, here's what happens. Ezra 4, verses 4 and 5. It, it'll be on the screens. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. So here's what takes place. They're passionate. They're giving. They're sacrificing. They begin to rebuild the temple. And then... People don't like it. Okay, there's opposition. So how are they going to respond to the opposition? Look at verse 24 of Ezra chapter 4. Thus, the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased. It was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So you get the story here. They're excited. They're giving, they're sacrificing, they're about to rebuild the temple. Opposition comes, they cease, they stop. And that's the background of where we're going to be now in Haggai, right? So turn with me to Haggai chapter number one, right? And as you turn there, some of you may have a spot. Let me just give a way of warning here. Let me just explain something to you. Every time you make a decision that you're, so we're in the context of giving God our best and giving our first. We're talking about giving God our best and our first in the area of our time, our talents, and our treasures. And every time you make a decision, so like the decision Preston made this week, I'm, I'm going to play my Xbox One a little bit less so that I can spend some time with God and give him the best of my time. If we make that decision in any area of our life, immediately Satan goes to battle. Immediately, Satan is going to bring opposition. That's what he does. That's what we see in Ezra. So every one of you have one of these in your bullets in this card. And I'm going to ask you to think about it, pray about it this week. We're going to challenge you. We did this last year, and some of you responded. It was a great response and great encouragement to me personally. For you specifically, we're talking about here that I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start giving God the best and the first of my treasure. And so here's the warning with this. As you pray about this week, some of you next week, you're going to check the box. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to take this 90-day challenge. At the close of the service next Sunday, I'm going to have you bring them forward. Whether you're starting or continuing, we're going to lay them on the altar. We're going to pray over what God is going to do in our life. But, but so here's the warning. When you make the decision to put God first and to give him your best, Satan's going, there's going to be opposition, Okay. But, but here's what I want to do for you this morning. If you make a decision next week, because many of you are new here and are in the church, if you make the decision, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to try it for 90 days. I'm going to take this 90-day challenge to give God my best and give God my first. Here, here's what I want you to understand. It's, it's, not, it's not about Hallmark getting your money. Let, let me be real clear. God does not need your money. Okay? God, it's not what God wants from you, it's what God wants for you. Okay, and we're going to look this morning in, in our passage here about the difference between living a me-first life and a God-first life. And, and so here's what I want to tell you this morning. If you make a decision, I'm going to give God 
best and my first for the next 90 days. I'm going to take this challenge. If at the end of the year, if at the end of these 90 days, you come to me and say, you know what? It didn't work. However you want to phrase that. God didn't bless me. I don't feel like God blessed me in these 90 days, even though I made this commitment. If you come and tell me that, you know what? I'll be glad to give you all your money back over the last 90 days. Because here's what I want you to understand. We're not trying to get your money. We're trying to teach you that when you give God your best and your first, God will bless you. And I'm confident that if you make the decision and do that, that in 90 days, we're not going to have that conversation. But if we do, I'll be glad to get We're not after your money. God's not after your money. It's not what he wants from you. It's what he wants for you. And we're going to see that really clear in this passage. So 16 years after they make this decision, we're going to build the temple. There's opposition. They stop building the temple. And for 16 years, the temple still lays in ruins while the people of God do nothing about it. And that's the context where we find our story. So Haggai, I finally got here, verse 1 of chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, Okay, so there's a lot of long words and a lot of na- long names in there. Here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, and now the prophet Haggai is revealing it or, or telling the message to the people, which is what the job of the prophet was. Get the message from God, give the message to the people. And so here's the message. Verse 2, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has not come, excuse me, yeah, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So do you see what he's saying here? God is saying the people of Israel, because they've been waiting for the last 16 years, doing nothing with the temple of God, and what they are saying, well, it's not time yet. It's not time yet to build the temple. All right? That's what they're saying. Verse 3, then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, and here's the question that God is asking the people, is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins. Do you see what God is asking? For 16 years, they've been focused on their own lives, their own houses, their own dwelling place, and they're still saying it's not time yet to build the house of God. And God is asking the question, is it time that you have these nice, fancy houses, and yet my house still lays in ruins? Is, is that what time it is? That's the question God is asking. And so this morning as we, we think about giving God our first, we understand this principle is all throughout Scripture. When we give God our first, what comes with giving God our first and giving God our best is that we get blessings. It's the principle all throughout Scripture. So, so if you're filling out the blanks here in your bulletin, the first one here says, the first fruits Uh, is the first portion or the first to come. The first fruits or the first to come. So in this context that we're reading this morning, we think more of an agricultural setting, giving God the first fruits, giving God the first and the best would be when, you know, they've planted the seed, they've cultivated the land, the crop has now begun to harvest. And in that context, what first fruits would be the very first of the harvest, the very best of the harvest, would be given to God. 
And understand, this is a huge step of faith. Because just because you have first fruits and the first harvest doesn't necessarily always mean that there's going to be more harvest to come or more fruit to come. It's this step of faith. So here's the big idea this morning. Again, this is on your outline. Give God the first and trust him for the rest. Give God the first and trust him with the rest. So the principle we're going to kind of unpack this morning is when we make the decision to give God our first and our best, let's consider, again, my time. This is how it works for me. My guess is it works pretty similar for you. If I make the decision on early morning to decide, I kind of want to sleep in. Anybody make that decision this morning, right? And I don't get up when I'm scheduled to get up and spend time with God, my day never seems to go exactly how I thought it would go. Here's the principle. When I don't give God the best and the first of my time, it, it honestly usually is a lack of faith on my part because I'm too busy and I got too much to do. And here's the principle that I've learned in my own life. When I give God my best and the first of my time, the rest of the time is much more productive when I've given it to God. In other words, my time is God blesses my time when I choose to put him first with my time. If I choose not to put God first with my time, God chooses not to bless the rest of my day with my time. Does that make sense? So when we think about my time, my talents, and my treasures, let's think about our talents. God has placed you in this church not just to sit and do nothing, but to serve for his glory. Is it possible that the talents that God has given you is not just so that you could make another dollar, but so that you can make a difference, so that God could use you in his church, in this church, for his kingdom? Give God the first, trust him with the rest. So let's, let's go back to our text this morning. God asked this question. Is it time for yourself, in verse 12, to build your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, the Lord of hosts, here's what he says. Consider your ways, the end of verse 5. Consider your ways, or as you see there in our outline, consider your ways or set your heart on your ways. Think about what you're doing. And, and when he, you see this word ways, it's plural, right? I think there's two understandings of what God is asking the people. Remember, he's just asked the question. So is it right? Is it okay? Is it true that it's okay in what you, you're going to spend 16 years focused on your life, do life the way you want it for your own purposes, for your own good, and yet my temple, my house, my dwelling place lies in ruins. And he asked the question, consider your ways. And I think it's two-part question here, two-part thought. Number one, consider the seriousness of what you've done. You've chosen what he's telling them. You've chosen to put yourself first before God. You're taking the best, you're taking the first, and God's getting the rest. God's getting, like we talked about last week, the goodwill, the leftovers. Number two, consider the results of what you've done. So here's what we want to unpack this morning. The next verses, 6 through 11. 6 through 11, to me, reveal to us, even this morning, what happens in our life when we choose not to give God our best, when we choose God not to give God our first. 
Here's the results of me-centered living. And let's just be real honest this morning, okay? We're all going to shake our head in agreement, so we all feel bad and good about it because we're all in the same boat, right? We all have a tendency to live for me first. Can you shake your head and agree with that? Like, that's just our nature. We take care of me first. Everybody just shake your head so we all realize we're in this together, okay? We all have the same tendency. But here's the result of living for me first. Let's unpack this. Verse number 6. I'm going to read verse 6 through 11, and then we're going to kind of go back and and look at these. Verse 6. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Verse 7. Thus the Lord of of hosts says. He asked the same question. He asked in verse 5. Consider your ways. Verse 8, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple, and I and may take pleasure in it and be glorified. You want to know why we want to give God our best and our first? You want to know why we want to give God the best of our time, our talents, and our treasure? That's the answer right there in verse 8. We want to do these things so that God will be glorified. God is saying, if you will put me first, if you will give me your best, I will be glorified. That's the purpose. Let's continue reading verse number 9. You looked for much, and indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house? Verse 10, therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withhold its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land, and the mountains on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil. On whatever the ground brings forth are men and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. There's a lot in there we're going to look at. So if you have... The bullets and you're taking notes. Maybe you're on U version Bible out this morning. Look, look at number one. This is again results of me first living. Number one, you get little return. Okay, so if you're in financing, all you know the ROI, ROI, right? Uh, and, and we think about the return of our investments. And God is saying, look at verse six again. Again, re- remember the setting. For 16 years, the temple has laid in ruin. God has blessed the nation that they can go back to Jerusalem where they came from out of exile. And and all they're focused on is their own house, their own living, their own agenda, me first living. And God says in verse number 6, you have sown much but bring in little. What God is pointing out to them is when you live for you first and God does not get the best of you, he gets the rest of you, then there's going to be no blessings on that. You have little return. Look at number two. There's never enough. Again, verse six, you eat but don't have enough. You drink but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself but no one is warm. Again, we're outlining here the result of living for yourself and not putting God first in your life. Number three, never satisfied. And you, you look at these things, these five things, and you see that, yeah, this, this is exactly results. It's, it's not just for the nation of Israel in this prophet is telling them in Haggai. This is current today. I see it in my own life. When there are seasons in my life when God is not first, when God is not best, I see it most often in my time. When I don't give God the best of my time, when I don't make time for God, then I see there's little return on, the, on what I'm investing my time in. When I see that it's never enough, I never have enough time, 
Again, I've already explained this to you. It's amazing that when I don't give God the first of my day, the best of my day, I never have enough time to get done what I need to get done. But when I do make a choice to get up, spend time with God, for whatever reason, my day just seems to go a lot smoother. I'm never satisfied. Be content with what I have. And, and so the result of me first living, never enough, little return, never satisfied. Number four, I think we all understand this one real easily. Money has wings. Does it feel like your money has wings a lot of times? Like, uh, honey, I thought we just got paid yesterday. Anybody ever? Oh, let's not raise our hand, okay, because this is where it gets really awkward in here. I love this verse, Proverbs 23, verse 5. You might just write down the reference. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. When we live for me, myself, and I, the result is the money seems to have wings. He says it twice. That's how important it is. There's twice it mentions that. Look at the bottom, the last part of verse 6. You earn wages to put into bag with what? Holes. Does it feel like that sometimes? Like you feel just, wait, I just got paid and it just, everything is gone immediately. As Dave Ramsey would talk about this, he, he talks that most of us, the reason why is, he, what he would say is we need to turn our budget upside down. Okay, so let's think about this in, in the area of giving God our best and our first. That most often people, they want to pay everything and take care of all their bills and, and whatever's left at the bottom here, well, I'll consider giving God that. What Dave Ramsey would say, and obviously he's just quoting scripture, is to turn that upside down. To give God the first and off the top. And it's amazing the difference. So here's the principle. We talked about time already. Let's talk about our, our finances. That in my life, when I honor God with my finances, the best and the first, I realize that the rest of it goes so much farther with the blessings of God than if I choose to to take it from God. When I give God the best and the first, he blesses the rest. So we think about this. This Again, we're just outlining here. The prophet is saying, because of your me first living, here's the result. Okay, You have little return, never enough, never satisfied, your money has wings. Let me get to the second part of the money uh, that I mentioned. Verse number 9. You look for much, indeed, it came a little, came to a little, and when you brought it home, again, we're talking about our money, when you brought it home, what does it say? I blew it away. You ever feel like your money is just stacked in front of a fan and it just blows away? Well, we're going to unpack that a little more. Let's think about it. You're putting your money in bags with holes and it's blowing away because we're living for ourselves, not for God. But look at verse 9. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. And then we get this statement. Why? I, I love this. God is saying, this is what I did, and now I'm going to tell you why. So when we think about 
uh, parenting, it's always good to let your kids know the why behind the punishment, right? And that's what God, I blew it away. Why did I, why did I choose to do that, says the Lord of hosts. And then he says, because, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you run to his own house. God is saying, because you've put yourself first and you've given me the leftovers, I don't get the best of you, I get the rest of you, then there's going to be little return. You're never going to have enough. You're never going to be satisfied. Your money's going to have wings. Look at number five. One word. Drought. So let's continue reading. It goes a little step farther. Because God has said, I blew the money away. Why? Because you haven't honored me. You haven't put me first. Verse number 10. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruits. Droughts. Why was there a drought? What was the cause of the drought? Look at verse 13. For I called for a drought on the land. Why? Let's go back up to verse 9. Because my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. The picture here is this. When we live for self and we don't put God first and we don't give God our best, then blessings are removed from our life. Again, in all these areas, time, talents, and treasure. Let's turn with me just a few pages over, all right? So go write a few pages, all right, to Malachi. We're going to see a comparison or a contrast here. So in Haggai, we get the result of me first living. Okay, the, the results of me first living, right? That it's never going to be enough, little on my return, not satisfied, my money has wings, and there's going to be a drought. In other words, there's curse. There's a lack of blessing in my life, in these areas of my life. And in Malachi chapter number 3, God states this question. Basically says to the people of Israel, you've robbed me. Does anybody in here want to rob God of anything? Let's all say no, right? No. But... Their question back to God, God says, you've robbed me. They said, how have we robbed you? And he says, because you haven't given your tithes and your offerings. And then let's pick up in verse number uh, 11. Excuse me, verse number 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not enough room enough to see it. To receive it, verse 11. So you get the picture in verse 10. God is saying, if you'll, put me, if you'll give me the first and the best, then I'm going to bless you. We see the results of me first living, not giving God the first and the best. And here we see the result of giving God our first and our best. He simply says, I'm going to bless you. Okay, I'm going to bless you. That's where, that's where I equate in my own life when I give God the early part of my morning and I spend time in prayer and in his word, I feel the blessings of his life upon my schedule the rest of the day. When I choose not to give him the first and the best of my day, I see not the blessings of my schedule the rest of the day. Verse number 11. Not only will he bless our, our day, our time, our talent, our treasure. Verse 11 says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine uh, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So do you see the contrast here? 
There's me first living that we read about in Haggai. Never enough, little return, not satisfied. There's going to be a drought. My money has wings. It's a representation of a lack of blessing of God in our life when we live for self. The contrast here in Malachi is if you give God the best and if you give God the first, he's not only going to bless you, but what does he say? He's going to rebuke the devourer. It seems really simple to me. Here's the choice. It's almost as if Joshua stands before the people and says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's what I, I try to choose to do every day, to put God first, to give him my best. But that's your choice. But it seems, in, in, just from my perspective, it seems very clear to me that if I want God's blessings in my life, then I'm going to give him the first of my time and my talents and my treasure. If I don't want the blessings of God in my life, I'm not going to give him the best of me. He's going to get the rest of me. And that's, that's the simple choice this morning. Am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for my Savior? Again, I go back to what Pastor Dave said this morning. We love Christ because he first loved us. We give back to God only of what he's given to us. So it's very simple. Are you living for self or are you living for your Savior? Would you close your eyes this morning for a moment? And if you're new here this morning, we're just going to have, we're going to close the service with a time of worship, uh, an opportunity to give back through our offering this morning, but it's also a time of response this morning. So, so maybe this morning God has revealed to, you know, maybe this card is challenging to you as you look at this card and say, oh my gosh, they want me to check this box to tithe. I don't even, I'm not sure if I can give 10% of my income. And maybe just, just a challenge this morning. Maybe God's revealing to you as a family or as an individual, we need to pray about this. We need to think about this. Is God first in our finances? Is God first in our time and our talents? Preston read a, a great letter this morning that, that challenged me this week. Does God get the best of me or the rest of me? So this, this time of worship this morning, we're going to stand in a moment. We're going to sing a simple song that just says, God, I'm going to follow you. When it's good and when it's bad, I'm going to follow you. And so the challenge this morning, if God has talked to you, there's an opportunity for you to come and pray at the altar. If you'd like for one of us to pray with you, we'll be standing right here at the front. Come shake our hand. We would love to kneel and pray with you this morning. If you want to pray by yourself, you have the freedom to do that. You can come forward, you can kneel and just pray. But it's an opportunity for all of us this morning to worship and make a decision. Am I going to live for myself? for my Savior. God, we thank you for the challenge through your word this morning to give you the best, to give you the first. Lord, I pray for those in here this morning that are, are wrestling with this. I pray you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. Lord, that you'd give them small steps to take towards giving you their best and their first. Lord, may we surrender as we sing this morning and in the good and in the bad, we'll choose to follow you. 